A nightmarish story, a plane crash in the middle of the rainforest. Everyone dead save four, four children, the oldest being 13. They wandered for 40 days, but they're still alive to tell the tale. Truth stranger than fiction. The plane went down in Colombia, in the middle of the rainforest, and the children, members of the Huitoto tribe, were told by their mother, get out of here, before she died. She had been alive for four days with her children, but couldn't make it. The eldest daughter, 13 years old, Leslie, was charged to care for her siblings. The youngest was just a year old, but they made it. They were familiar with what they could and couldn't eat, so they kept moving and kept themselves just fed enough to survive. I'll call it a miraculous story of grit and survival. Rescued, they were eventually found and taken care of. We are sin-sick and helpless, but Jesus finds us and rescues us. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Wednesday, we're continuing in a series called Becoming Jesus People. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right for me. Originally written by Art Reynolds in 1965, covered by the Birds in 1969. And what we just heard was a top 40 hit by the Doobie Brothers in 1972. Reports say none of the band members claimed to be Christians. The song reflected the Jesus Revolution era, and many Christians enjoyed that song. The expression of something being all right became popular in the 1960s. In that time, it meant something was cool or very good. And the song repeats this a lot, as well as expressing that Jesus is a friend. But how can sinners become friends with Jesus? Well, we've been thinking about that for the last several days. It's an important question. And in our time together today, we're going to think about how Christ finds us, how he befriends us, how he deals with our sin, and how he seeks to remove the things that are bringing us harm. And I can't think of a better story that shows this from the gospel than the time the demoniac met Jesus. It's a powerful story, and it truly shows that no one is ever too far from Christ. And we'll also catch up with a good friend of the ministry who has taken his youth group to the Jersey Shore on the East Coast to share the gospel with people on the boardwalk this week. Uh, It's on the Jersey Shore, a place where uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of tourists come all summer. And what we do here is train youth groups and other groups uh, at Boardwalk Chapel here in Wildwood uh, to share the gospel. Pastor Adrian Crum will be with us in just a few minutes to talk about sharing the gospel. And then after the program, I want to share with you the gospel movie called Jesus Revolution. This new feature film shows the revival story of the early 70s in Southern California and tells the stories of Pastor Chuck Smith, hippie evangelist Lonnie Frisbee, as well as Greg and Kathy Laurie. This film would be a lot of fun to watch with family and friends this summer, especially those you'd like to share more with about the gospel. How do you explain all this? God is saving hippies. It's blowing everyone's mind. Because nobody thought the hippies could be saved. 
You can watch clips from the Jesus Revolution DVD and make your gift by going to haventoday.org after the program. That's haventoday.org. Or call us after this program at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 865-HAVEN. Now let's open our program together with Jeremy Camp. Hope is here. Shout the news to everyone. It's a new day. Peace has come. Jesus sings. Mercy triumphs at the cross. Love has come to rescue us. Jesus sings. Hope is here. What a joyful noise we'll make as we join with heaven's song. Join me for Haven Today in a program called Becoming Jesus People. I'm Charles Morris, and that was Jesus Saves, sung for us by Jeremy Camp from his album, Inside Out. Now, I want us to head to the Jersey Shore on the East Coast of the United States, and I want us to meet up with my old assistant, who is now a pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Adrian Crum, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Charles. Good to be on with you. Adrian, tell us what you and your youth group are doing for the gospel this week in New Jersey. Yeah, so I uh, took a call to a church in the Grand Rapids area, and one of my tasks is evangelism, and the other task is youth discipleship. And so it pairs together very, very nicely in a trip that we take each summer to a place called Wildwood, New Jersey. Uh, It's on the Jersey Shore, a place where uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of tourists come from the Philly and New Jersey, uh, maybe even New York areas and vacation all summer. And what we do here in the summers is train youth groups and other groups uh, at Boardwalk Chapel here in Wildwood uh, to share the gospel, to be confident and joyful and humble in going out and having gospel conversations with tourists here on the boardwalk. Adrian, can you tell me what it's like to share the gospel? there on the East Coast, on the Jersey Shore. Yeah, what's unique about this part of the country is there is a great uh, eclectic or lots and lots of different types of people who come as tourists here to the boardwalk. We've run into uh, Muslims uh, this week. We've run into New Age people who feel that they're 
going to be reincarnated when we talk to them. But the vast majority are Catholics or lapsed Catholics who are just trying to do their best uh, to get to heaven. Are, my youth group has been very surprised. They said to me yesterday, we've never heard someone say, I'm basically a good person and God should accept me because of what I've done, my good deeds outweighing my, my bad deeds. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of differences on the boardwalk, but very, very good, earnest conversations. And what I'm always surprised by, Charles, is that people want to talk about spiritual things. They, they desire to get into a deep conversation, sometimes be a little bit argumentative, but, but they really do want to think about the most important things in the world. I know you've only been there a few days, but can you share a gospel story with us? Uh, yeah, th- thanks, Charles. I want to share a story that was very, very convicting to me. We were wrapping up evangelism for the night. It was about 1045, and we were moving back to the boardwalk. I saw out of my periphery four or five ladies that looked like they were practicing homosexual ladies. And I thought, honestly, to myself, there is just no no uh, possibility of talking to them. And a young lady in my group just uh, demonstrated, but made a really, really good example of walking over to them, uh, wanting to initiate a conversation. And sure enough, 15 or 20 minutes later, she had uh, walked this group of ladies uh, through the gospel, explained what the gospel means, and then found out that one of them was raised Catholic and had prayed recently for uh, God to show a sign to her uh, to have some new leaf in her life turn over. And she's, she took these conversations as God uh, addressing her. And I'm, we're praying for, for her name. Her name is Amber, that she'll come back to our programs this week and the Lord will work in her heart and change her. Adrian, you've reminded me that I need to be sharing the gospel this summer. So could you take a moment to pray? Pray for Amber and that the Lord will save her and pray for all of us that we can be bold for Jesus this summer. Absolutely, Charles. Let's pray. Lord God, we do pray for revival in our own hearts first, Lord. We pray that we would be gripped with the beauty and the riches of who Christ is for sinful people, for needy people, uh, people who are like the woman at the well who had had many husbands and the sixth man that she was with was not her husband. And that finally in the seventh man, in Jesus, uh, the one who richly satisfies us in the living water, she found hope and peace and an eternal future. Lord, would you convict us and then enable us to share the riches of the beauty of who Jesus is with those all around us uh, here in Wildwood, uh, in California, in every part of the U.S. and Canada and all over the world. Lord, we pray that you'd be glorified through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Adrian Crum, my brother in Christ, thanks for joining us once again here on Haven Today. Yeah, thanks, Charles. So good to be on the program again. You're listening to Haven Today and a program called Becoming Jesus People. Thousands of people came to Christ while he was dwelling among his people, fulfilling his earthly ministry. He fed thousands. He healed so many. He opened eyes and raised the dead. And because of his ministry, thousands became Jesus people. But there's one story that might sound a bit strange. Thousands had come to Jesus, but only one at that time, became a Jesus person. I don't know if it's ever been taught that way, but it's exactly what happened when the demoniac came to Christ. A man possessed by demons, violent and fearful. But Jesus rescued him and left for us an image of what happens when the Lord's love is open to all of us instead of closed off to some. The story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but Mark gives us the fullest account. It starts in chapter 5, verse 1. 
they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This is the man, the demoniac, as he is called. And there are a couple of details about this man that strike me right away. We're told that he had an impure spirit. It's not clear what that means. Something about him had made him a pariah, an outcast among his neighbors. We know in the Bible that there were some things that would make someone have to leave the camp until they were clean. But Mark doesn't give us any clue. He simply says it. Same with us. We know we are sinful, even if we don't have a detailed list of the sins we've committed this week or even today. We know it's true. And that's enough to know we need help. But there are a couple of other details here that strike me. The man lived among the tombs. He was cast out of his community. He was forced to take up residence with the dead. Just imagine that. Being sent out of your home, away from your community, and told to live in a cemetery. And if you've ever seen ancient tombs, you'll know that this must have been miserable. Some burial tombs, especially in this region at the time, would have contained generations of bones. The family tomb would hold all the bones of those who had passed on and were honored by their family. Remember in the book of Genesis when Joseph makes his son's promise to bring his bones back to the tomb so he could be laid to rest with his people? This is what he was talking about. The people of Israel did this for centuries, even during the time of Jesus. And this is where the demoniac had to live, an impure man living with the dead. And he was miserable. That's the third detail that strikes me. Yes, he was violent. He was prone to aggressive outbursts. But the last line strikes. Every night he would weep and wail and even harm himself because of the state he was in. What a miserable existence. So often we read stories like this. And we immediately jump to the man's sinfulness. But we need to slow down here. Because Jesus did not approach him like that. He came to him to help him. And he had compassion on him. And the demoniac knew that. Let me share the rest of the story. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about two thousand in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off 
and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. So much there, we can't possibly cover it all. But again, I wonder if you noticed these details. When the man saw Jesus, he ran to him and fell down on his knees. Some English versions say he ran to him and worshipped him. The verb in Greek is the verb for worship. The man is conflicted. He needs help. And in his humanity, he knows Jesus can save him. Yet the demons in him hated Christ. The man knew he needed help. Yet he didn't want help. Aren't we like that too often? We know Jesus can save us and turn us from sin. Yet we remain because perhaps we're afraid of what might happen if we ask for help. But Jesus loves us and he's ready to save us. If only we will come to him and worship him and to fall on our knees. The second detail is this. It wasn't just a single demon. Jesus asked his name, and he heard back and reply, Legion is my name. It doesn't have any special meaning to us, but to a first century person, this was a shocking name. Legion was the name of a troop of soldiers in the Roman army. How many soldiers? 6,000. Legion, for we are many. 6,000 demons. If we're going with the Roman number, thousands is the point. They all came to Jesus, but they were all sent away. And only one person remained, the man, the helpless, violent, impure man, no longer helpless, for Christ was his help, no longer violent, because Jesus had soothed his soul, no longer impure, Jesus had taken away his impurity. Jesus found him and saved him. And then he sent him back to his people in the Decapolis, the Greek-speaking areas. This is the gospel at work. We are sinful. We are, in the words of Paul, hated by others and hate one another. We do harm. But Christ finds us. And as we turn to him, he heals us. He addresses us and removes the things that are bringing us harm. He brings us into a new existence. He makes us new creations. No matter how impure or far off you feel, Christ is greater. Even if you are forced to spend your days among the dead, Jesus has conquered the grave. He will not let you perish. And this is the good news. And this is how we become Jesus' people. Son of life rose on the third day. Just look.
Keith Green and the Victor here on this Haven Today from his album No Compromise, a Haven Today called Becoming Jesus People. Revival can come at any moment. You never know when the Holy Spirit might move. It happened in the life of the demoniac out of nowhere. It happened on the day of Pentecost and changed the lives of thousands in a single day. And it happened in the 1970s 
with a movement called the Jesus Revolution. The revival began with young people, most of them hippies, but it spread quickly, like revivals do. And soon people from all walks of life came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And when you watch the new movie called Jesus Revolution, you'll see this. You'll see how Greg and Kathy Laurie came out of the hippie culture and met Christ. But you'll also see how Pastor Chuck Smith and his square family grew closer to the Lord because of this revival. Jesus Revolution. It's an inspiring movie. I believe it'll encourage you to keep praying for revival today, first in your own heart and then in the hearts of those around you. And it could be a great way to share the gospel with people in your life who haven't yet met Jesus. So please, right now, visit our website. Watch some excerpts from the Jesus Revolution DVD. Then make your gift, and we'll get a copy on the way to you right away. Go to haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And just as we have to go, if you wanted to still get the Chronicles of Narnia radio theater presentation of C.S. Lewis's classic books, we still have that for your gift as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There comes that time in the history of a nation when a leader must speak, whether it comes after a national tragedy or an important anniversary. When the leader speaks, his or her citizens listen carefully. The prophet Isaiah was sent in order to call the Israelites to repentance, but they wouldn't listen. During this tragic time in the history of his people, God spoke. He spoke through Isaiah, and in chapter 25, we read the words, The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. At this pivotal moment, God didn't reject his rebellious people. He spoke a word of reconciliation. Are you listening? The king has spoken and has promised to make all things right. Get daily encouragement with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.